This week's podcast brought to you by The Cone of Verticality. Our sophomore in high school, one of her English assignments that she had to bring in the first day was to make a list of some of the great, um, some great American literature. And so you gave her examples of some books she should write down, which were... Well, it was recommendations of what you what you like of American literature and the marching orders were that American literature embraces anything from an American author of from any time, from any background, ideally illuminating some some uh, aspect of of America from day one to the present day. And so some of the suggestions well, you gave her. Yeah, Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, Moby Dick, uh, The Great Gatsby, stuff that is always on the, those curriculum kind of uh, you know, high school curriculum. But I also suggested something like uh, The Right Stuff by Tom Wolfe, nonfiction about the early days of the space program, Some something that enthralled in America and the world and was important. And the only suggestion I gave her that I made sure she put on the list in addition to those was Stingray Afternoons by Steve Russia. You didn't. I did. And she turned that in? She did. Oh, for the love of God. <laughs> How's it going? Oh, it's going swell. How are you? I'm in a splendid mood. Outside today, what, the nicest day in a year weather-wise, would you say? Uh, Local NBC meteorologist Bob Maxson said this morning um, in the minute before the Today Show came on, which was 10 minutes before I had to drive our sophomore to high school, he said that today was going to be a Meteorologically speaking, and I, I, I have a hard it, time with that word. Meteorologically speaking, it's going to be a perfect day. And so far it is. It's That's, spectacular. We're here in the basement. What could be better? <laughs> Nothing could be better. I, uh, I, I traveled again this past weekend. I went to Chicago for a WNBA game on Southwest. I, I typically don't fly Southwest a lot, but it makes sense whenever I do a game in Chicago because Wintrust Arena is less than 10 miles from Midway Airport and that's where Southwest flies into. There's a direct flight from Hartford. It's great, sort of. So get on the plane. It's not great. It's, well, that part's great. (laughs) This part wasn't. Get on the plane. Both times I've gone there and back, plane is completely full. And, uh, and we sit there and we're waiting and waiting and, um, well, first of all, let me rewind a little bit. So I sit down in my aisle seat. My boarding pass was A59, so right in front of the Bs. But as long as you're an A, you can get a, an aisle seat. So I sit in the aisle seat, and a guy comes, and he sits in the window seat. Great. Then as the, as the plane fills up, a gentleman comes, and he wants to sit in the middle seat. Great. And, great. Uh, great, yeah. I mean, the plane's going to be full anyway. Course. So he sits in the middle seat, and then I see his, his, the woman he is with, I'm assuming a wife, but certainly his companion, sits in the aisle seat across from me. So, of course, I say, are you two together? And they say, yes. Yeah. So, well, I'm happy to switch to the other aisle seat so you can sit together. So we did that. But when I did that, the gentleman in the middle seat that was now going to be next to me had the had the armrest up because he was a broad man and his broadness was partly in my seat his breadth his breadth was partly in my seat and so 
got in, sat down. You you have to you have to scope that out before you sit down. You have to perform a sort of a mental breathalyzer, as you will, if you will. <laughs> I would have, but in this instance, and the flight attendant even said, he said to me when I moved, he said, "I love it when passengers figure that stuff out on their own." It wouldn't have mattered who was in that middle seat. I was going to switch. I was going to let these people sit together. To the point where, like, at one point, I had I, I had taken my sweatshirt off because the plane was hot, but, and then it cooled down. So I was putting my sweatshirt back on, and I was staying within my area, but like your your your, your cone of verticality, as they call yes, it, and yes, in basketball, I was well, within my cone of verticality. What does the cone I of verticality put, refer to again in basketball? It's um, it's like for an offensive oh, yeah. foul, your elbows. If you're being low bridged or something too. If you maintain your corner verticality, nobody can. I think it's used more. It's they actually don't have it in women's college basketball, okay. but they have it in men's college basketball. But anyway, your corner so verticality. So anyway, my corner verticality. No, I was I was within my corner verticality as I put my sweatshirt on my orange WNBA hoodie. But even within my corner verticality, as I put my <laughs> right arm through the sleeve yes. and came back down, like I hit the guy yeah. with my elbow. Sure. So now I'm in the position to apologize. I'm apologizing for him. That he's in my this is, cone. This is the classic sort of, of verticality British um, thing where if they step on your foot, if you step on, if they step, if you step on their foot, you know, walking on a crowded London street, they will apologize to you. Yes, it's, it sounds it sounds about right. So anyway, so I've gotten my sweatshirt back on. I'm sitting. I'm waiting, and uh, we're a little bit delayed and a little more delayed. And then the pilot comes on and he said, um, we're delayed right now because we're overweight by only a couple hundred pounds. I liked the only. We're overweight by only a couple hundred pounds. <laughs> and now, you know, we're trying to figure out how to solve that problem. This and- is like like wrestling practice. So we're going to have all of you <laughs> do jumping jacks until you sweat off a collective 200. Right. Yeah, I, I'm not sure what happened. They didn't remove any passengers. They clearly took care of it with taking people's luggage off. I don't know. Um, but because of that, we were delayed, I think, about 45 minutes to an hour because we were a couple hundred pounds overweight. So when we landed in Chicago, the flight attendant comes on, as Southwest flight attendants tend to do. It said, we want you to raise your hand. Uh, or no, he said, if any of you are connecting to the following cities, and then I think he mentioned every city that Southwest connects to, put up your hands. So I think every single person on the plane raised their hand except for me. I think I was the only one with my final destination as Chicago. And so he said, well, if you're if you're, this is your final destination, we ask you to let those other passengers go so that they can try to make it to their to their connection. Now, as this is happening, People are getting alerts on their phones that they've been rebooked. So people are already getting angry. And I'm just thinking, you know, people pack a little lighter or pack it on a little less. We wouldn't have been late and all these people wouldn't have been missing their flights. But then I was also thinking, does it really speed things up at all if me, a person on the aisle, gets out of my seat to let the people sitting in the rest of my row out and then go back in and sit down, does that make it any faster for the people behind me? Of course not. Of course not. So I should just get off the plane. So that was my number one thing. My number two, I don't know how many people who are listening have traveled Southwest recently because I think this is new from the last time I traveled three weeks ago. So it's a short flight. 
So, but they still have a beverage service. <laughs> but what they do now, and, and so they'll say, you know, you have four choices. Number one is water. Number two is Coke. Number three is Diet Coke. Number four is Sprite. And five is water. I'm sorry, five is coffee. And they're asking you to order by number? Even better. They come by with a laminated card with a picture of each of the n- numbers one through four on it. And they, when, you, when they come by, they want you to point at the card. This isn't an international flight. I, I don't know if it's because people with ma- when they're wearing their masks, if the flight attendants are having a hard time hearing them. Or they just don't want people to speak to so they don't uh, spray COVID. I don't know. But I felt kind of silly. I still said, water, please. And I was actually wishing there was a little place on the card where it said, please, so I could point to the water and then point to please. But and also, whenever you're ingesting uh, food and drink at a meal, ordering the number two is just not appetizing. <laughs> or in this case, even the number one. Right. Um, so anyway, I thought that part of it was um, was a little bit weird. This is this is the the, the just a natural progression or regression of the dehumanizing nature of travel and just about everything else. Yes. Yes. Where, where uh, we want you to point and grunt at the picture. <laughs> Like you're like you're a, a chimp in a in a science experiment, and then we'll give you a little pellet as yeah. a reward. <laughs> well, you know, as, what? I'm saying it's also undignified for the for the for flight attendants and everybody involved. And actually, it's funny that you say a little pellet because the snack both times I've flown to Chicago has been a little bag of pretzels, but it's the little pretzels that look like pellets. Um, and, you, and you have to you have to hit a buzzer, and and they <laughs> they shoot one out at you. And um, what I do is I wait till the person next to me is done eating. And then puts their mask back on, and then I just as like my extra layer of safety. Then I'll take my mask down so I can eat my little pellets and, and drink my beverage. But you didn't you didn't fill your mask with pellets and then just <laughs> eat them feedback style. No, or? the mask trough that we the talked about trough, a couple yeah. of weeks ago. No, so I want to know how you feel about this. So on the return flight, going from Chicago back to Hartford, <laughs> they gave you a bucket of carrots. No, first. They say, you know, you're supposed to line up in your boarding group, except if you need extra time boarding. I've never seen so many people need extra time boarding. Like when you're on Delta or American or any flight where you actually have a seat and they still give people who need extra time boarding, at the most, what, 10 people, you know, people with small children or somebody who might need some assistance, wheelchair. Passengers traveling with small children. Yes. Or passengers. Not passengers traveling with young children. Right. Right. With small children. Um, that's an important distinction for us. But, um, but this, how old's your son? He's, well, he's 19, but he's, he's but small he's for his age. Um, but I couldn't believe the line of people who are claiming that they need assistance so that they can get on. And of course, where did they sit? And they sit in the front, of course. They, they, anyway. they, they take all the middle seats, I assume. Yeah, right. This, is, this, this could be my favorite thing I've ever seen on a Southwest flight. So when I, and again, I'm A59, the return so I get on the plane. A fifty nine, the return. COVID nineteen, the pandemic. A fifty nine, the return. Yes, I get on the plane, and there's a gentleman, and I think it's his wife, but it was certainly his companion, <laughs> sitting in row A, seats, um, or I guess row one, seats A and C. They were in a middle. I'm sorry, I'm telling this story all wrong. They were in a window aisle and, an aisle. and a window. Yes holding their hands across the middle seat as if they were staking their claim <laughs> so that no one would sit there 
I've never seen it. it. Like, what was that game, Red Rover, where you had to like I, run through the linked arms? Yes. Yeah, so so some, anybody so sitting there so right would have to sit, would have to break there. Oh my gosh, it was hysterical. I looked and I considered, even though this actual flight, I think there was going to be a couple empty seats on this one. I was like, should I just sit there, just because? You Excuse me, you two. Can you unclasp your? I know this is an empty <laughs> flight, but I'd really like to sit between you. <laughs> you know, it would be a brilliant move, or at least one worth trying. Get some of police caution tape or just that kind of stuff you can buy it at the hardware store. The you know the kind of orange or yellow tape yeah. to, to warn somebody off a slippery floor, or whatever, and just wrap it around. Just wrap it around the uh, the the two armrests that block off the middle seat, and people will assume there was some kind of maintenance issue with right. that seat. Right. And and you're good to go. You're good. So I walk to the back. Or, or, or better. Wrap yourself in yellow <laughs> caution tape, and, and people may be reluctant to sit next to you. I went back, not to the back, to the middle of the plane, and, and there was um, the aisle seat, and the emergency row was open, so I sat there. And then a gentleman came, and he sat in the window emergency seat in my row. And uh, if you've ever sat in an emergency seat, you know the flight attendants come by, and you have to give them a verbal answer. You can't just nod your head or shake your head no. They ask you, um, are you willing to open the door in case uh, of an emergency. Are and, you okay and opening the door? Flight attendant holds up a laminated card with yes or no, <laughs> and you're supposed to point to one. She says, are you okay opening the door in case of an emergency? And I say yes, and the guy next to me says yes, and people cross the way, and as the flight attendant steps back, this guy who's in the window seat says to me, trust me, if it needs to be opened, it'll be opened. <laughs> And it made me laugh out loud because I didn't expect it. I wasn't expecting it, right. and it was really funny. <laughs> it's like, good point. If it needs to be open, it'll be opened. Um, and then this was my last. It's the guys be... you worry about who, if it doesn't need to be open, it will still right. be opened. <laughs> right. This is this is my last uh, my last travel story, or what I found interesting as I'm getting off the plane. Um, once we've landed in Hartford, I um and. You know, there's people still seated in the in the front of the plane, including the couple holding hands. Um, I hear a flight attendant ask a couple of the passengers, do you guys need a pusher? A pusher. And I'm like, what is a pusher? So for, I go for out. Your, for your flight? And I see them getting wheelchairs. So apparently a pusher in, in Southwest Airlines lingo is somebody to push I'm assuming so, they you sit in the chair first and then they push you. So Southwest, every commercial aircraft already has a captain, but they need a stoker as well? <laughs> yes, but I, I don't they, even know if this would be the stoker. They had a captain I think it's and a, a pusher. Captain, a pusher, and a stoker. Were you flying a, a tandem plane by any chance? <laughs> I don't know. But, um, but my plane was certainly full of uh, delights. <laughs> When I was in Chicago, so I get there Saturday night. The game is uh, Sunday afternoon. But Holly Rowe, I, I land in Chicago. I go to my hotel. It takes forever to get there. But um, even though it's only however many miles, it was a, it was quite a traffic jam. Anyway, I get there, turn on the TV, and Holly Rowe's sideline reporter for the ABC Saturday Night Primetime college football game. That's her. This is her first year on what ESPN considers its biggest fo- college football game of the week. And I'm thinking, this is unbelievable, because I know she's going to call that game the following morning, get up at like 5, get on a plane, and then join us in Chicago. So before I head over to to the arena, 
go to Starbucks and I tell Holly, you know, I'll get you something from Starbucks because she had gotten to Chicago trying to get some sleep before our game. And while I'm in the Starbucks, everybody has masks on except the two people at the end of the line who just have their shirts pulled up over their nose. And um, so I said to the guy, I said, uh, does someone smell really bad or did you just forget your mask? And in the first of the weekends, somebody saying something that I didn't expect it, so it made me laugh out loud. This guy just looks at me and says, both. <laughs> so then we're standing in line, and, and, and I think Starbucks must have, that Starbucks anyway, had masks, because next thing you know, you ha- or somebody had extras, they passed back like two disposable masks to this guy. So anyway, I get the order, my order and Holly's order, and then I, and then I look and I see Holly walk in. And... Holly, who's five foot, I don't know what she claims to be. She's probably about five foot three or five foot four. I don't imagine she claims to be anything other than what she right. is. But I, and then I, so I don't know what she is and slash what she claims to be. She and I are in the exact same outfit, exact same outfit. We're both in black pants, a white <laughs> tank top, and a cobalt blue blazer. It's not like we're both in a black suit or we're both in a cobalt blue blazer one button blazer with a tanks up underneath it, black pants and she comes over and we both just start laughing and you, I you're, everybody presumed you to be flight attendants for a, an obscure oh. discount airline or <laughs> yes, something yes realtors for some century 21 like agency yes they expected us to be the captain and the stoker for some new airline I couldn't go change. I'd only brought one outfit she couldn't like <laughs> the other outfit she had she wore it on national TV the night before we both just started laughing hysterically. Did, did you consider swapping outfits? <laughs> we've well, we've told this story I think on here before. I have borrowed her no, dress no. in the past. But it would have been interesting if she wore. We're wearing the exact same thing, but yes, just wore each just other's. Wore each other's. So uh, you know. So then we just you know get our stuff and start going to the arena. We get to the arena. We're walking. We've at this point forgotten. Until we see, you know, we get to the TV truck and the woman there looking at us both like what is happening here we're like we swear we didn't plan this yeah right you didn't plan this so anyway um, why would you have planned it you wouldn't ever um you would only try to avoid plan it against it but uh but that was our that was our fun moment i'll i'll re i'll retweet on our ball and chain um twitter handle did either of you have a casio keyboard and if so did you did <laughs> did you both perform in the piano lounge of the hotel bar that night as the captain and the stoker. No, but I wish we had. Um, so I'll, I'll retweet at, um, our Twitter handles at Ball and Chain Pod. I'll retweet Holly's video um, showing the two of us wearing our, our matchy match outfits. But um, anyway, it was a uh, it was a delightful trip to Chicago. Unlike the last time I called a game there, and we weren't sitting way up on the concourse. We were sitting down courtside wearing masks, which is fine. It was uh, it was actually a really, really good game. Did anybody from the uh, from the at the game comment on your broadcast position? Um, the owners of the Chicago Sky <laughs> mentioned um, as we were going upstairs to um, t- to get something upstairs, he said, Oh no, this time your 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 broadcast position's down here and we said, Oh, oh we know that. Thank you so much. Uh, one of the owners. You, you've commented. taken our seats. We're up on the concourse. <laughs> right, now. right. Um, a few people actually commented about us um, now being down below instead of up high. And one of the delights of being down below is 
um, you get crap from players or you're accessible to players if they want to give you crap. At so one those, point, those are the two possible values, down below and up, up high. It's a Sesame Street segment. Right. At one point, um, Kelsey Plum runs over, and so I stand up to say hello. And she said, uh, you know, one game this season, you, you said something about Vegas not having guards. And she said, I, I, she said, I heard that. And, and I said, I said, what are you talking about? I said, I've only done a couple of Vegas games. I said, I don't imagine I said that. She said, you said something like that. And I said, ah, I said, I don't think I said anything like that. And um, I said, I was like, you've got to, uh, I said, if you can find it and tell me though. And she's like, well, I want to let you know what motivated me. It motivated me. And I just laughed and sat down and it was just like, um, you didn't, you didn't do the things our kids do and say, I didn't actually say that. Right. I thought it a lot. Um, but she, she went on and she's had a great game. She's been playing really well for Vegas, but, uh, but it was funny. I was like, oh, you know, we get to have this interaction again, the stuff that we didn't have when we were way up top. While you were gone in Chicago. Actually, I think you were still here. No, you were still here because um, our son had a soccer scrimmage, inter-squad scrimmage on Saturday morning. And as another father and I dropped him off, dropped the kids off, um, we were both pressed into playing goalie in the scrimmage of eighth grade boys and it was a bit challenging somewhat grueling I might say and uh, when I got home from that I promptly passed out on the couch and while I was sleeping I was incorporating all of the things going on around me you know sometimes you fall asleep during a I, I think a baseball game must have been on and you're sort of still hearing the soccer score game. soccer game you're still hearing the score and hearing the commentators hearing what's going on in the house but in, in, in your mind you're you don't think you're asleep? Yes. Well, that was what was happening to me. I could even hear you talking. I think you were making... I didn't hear you making sandwiches. The but diner when, was open. When I, I was up, a short order cook for the kids there were for sandwiches. lunch that day. Yeah. But worse than that, when I woke up, there were pictures of me sleeping. Would you allow me to post those on no, our absolutely. Instagram account? No, I, I wouldn't allow you to keep that cell phone. The, the, kids, the kids were laughing because... I, the, the, the one picture of me sleeping with my mouth agape in front of the TV and the remote in, in my hand. hand. But, but, but let's I, not I get to, to I, the second I one I appear yet. to be dead. Yes. it's. I actually, for a second, <laughs> I went in there and I d- do what I sometimes do Did and the dogs have been laying h- down for too long. Held a mirror in front of my mouth? No, I just made sure your chest was still going up and down. But I, it was unbelievable because you were just completely passed out. And and where you were what, like was right near the kitchen. So first our youngest came down. Can I have fried eggs? So I'm making those. And then our son comes in and he wants a like a Reuben sandwich. And so then the other the older two girls come down. And so it's and they're talking at normal volumes, they're loud, whatever. And and it was hilarious because I would say, guys, look. And especially our ten year old, I said, Go take a picture. So she's the one who went in and got the picture of you um when you were looking like you may or may not be alive with your mouth agape and your I, I, hand, and I hand like, on I the like remote. that that, that the, it's under question whether I'm alive or not, but the first instinct is to snap a <laughs> snap pic. picture. And then, uh, and but then the funniest part well, was I, you. At one point, you sort of woke up. I woke up. You woke up. I woke up, and I, I and I, I must have smelled sandwiches being made because I went. I woke up, and I was going to go get a sandwich. And and I, I believe I sat up and prepared to stand. I don't know that you prepared to stand. You sat up. And then fell back asleep with your head on your hand like you were My the finger were on my pose. Knees. Yeah. 
Like you were, who, who, who's Rodan's, Rodan's the, thinker. the thinker. I was like, there's no way he's fell asleep like that. And then I went in this time. I didn't send one of the kids. I went in, took a picture and showed it to them. I wouldn't have believed you had you not shown me the picture. And like, it's one of my favorite things. It doesn't happen very often. Like you don't nap very often. So I don't want to, I don't want to leave that impression, but you can imagine it being one of my favorite things when on a weekend and all the kids are like needing their food and I'm in the kitchen feeding, you know, as the short order cook while you nap in the other room. When the smell of food wakes you up and that's when you emerge to come in and ask for your like, sandwich. Like a Warner <laughs> Brothers cartoon, you know, from the 40s where they put the pie in the windowsill and the, and the fumes from the pie, you can see them. It goes right up the guy's nostril. That's what was happening. But in those cartoons, does, a, does the grandma who made the pie ever just like smush it in the cartoon you, character's You'd only ever see them from the, from the neck down with a big apron on. Um, but, but you were in fairness, you were going to Chicago um, later that afternoon for the next 30 hours, and, and I was going to have everything locked down. It's a rare luxury and a, and a complete delight, I should say, when you can turn on the TV on a Saturday afternoon and pass out in front of whatever sporting event is on. Mm. And it makes me wonder, when you get your TV ratings for your games or for any TV sports ratings. <laughs> How many of those people are asleep? I, I, w- I would have to guess at least 40%. <laughs> and, and do advertisers take that into account of how many you know eyeballs are actually behind eyelids when they're when they're uh, get these viewing figures. And, and just to be clear, you're not saying because they're WNBA. No, no, you're no, saying no, no, anything, no, no. I'm talking about any any, any sports event, any sports event. I mean, it, it wouldn't have mattered if it was uh, uh, the bottom of the ninth of Game Seven of the World Series. Um, it, it wouldn't have mattered if it was. It wouldn't have mattered what was on TV. I was falling asleep, and and it was enhanced by the fact that the TV was on. Hmm. My dad used to do that. He used to fall asleep on Saturday afternoon in front of college football. He enjoyed nothing more than Is this while your mom was college football. making sandwiches for yeah, the five yeah. of you guys. And then and then waking up on occasion and saying, "Oh, that was a hell of a hit," and then going back to sleep instantly. But he would when he would wake up. And this up, was not after your mom hit him over the head with no, the no, fry he, pan. No, no, he would have to blurt out some response to what had just happened on the screen to to pretend that he'd been See, awake the whole my time. My dad would do that too. Like he would occasionally fall asleep watching whatever. Why? Why is there shame in that? Like whoever, whenever that happens, people when they wake up, they pretend like they weren't sleeping. Why? Why? It's it's because I think it goes back to like caveman days, where if you did fall asleep while watching the the you rock were no fight, longer you were protecting dead. your family. Yeah, you'd be dead. Maybe. Well, it's the same reason we learned why why when the kids are toddlers, they find a corner to to poop in. And that was the same reason. The caveman days, they, they couldn't relax, you know, out in an open field. They had to be they had to see their predators coming. Yeah. So I think when I when I say and I did the same I do the same thing, I'll wake up and say, Oh, did you see that play? It's because I, I see ancient predators coming. Ancient predators? Well, I mean, yeah, no longer yes, I don't think a mastodon is going to come and eat me, but Okay. In one of those games that was on recently, and I wasn't sleeping through it, though I could have been because it wasn't good, was the U.S.-Canada World Cup qualifier men's um, national team a couple nights ago. It ended up being a 1-1 draw in Nashville. But our 10-year-old was watching something on an iPad, and she looked up from the screen and said, looked up from her screen at the soccer game and said, and I quote, 
wait, there's a USA men's team now? Now. <laughs> I love it. I said, yes, not only, there, there has always been one. It so bookends perfectly the story of when our oldest was four or five years old and saw the Yukon men playing yes. and said, you know, I didn't know men played basketball right. too. And now we've got our 10-year-old saying, there's a men's team now. Yeah. And, and <laughs> it, what I loved was, you know, as the women seek you know, equal pay and, and equity in, in U.S. soccer, within U.S. soccer, our 10-year-old was kind of rolling her eyes like, you know, what the, the men need to have their own team now too. <laughs> right, right. Um, last week, I had a basketball practice for our um, for our son's um, AAU team, and I hadn't had a practice with these boys all summer. And it, it's so funny to me because one of the boys is just about my height now. He would say he's taller than me, but I think I still have him by a smidge. And um, but it was such a big deal. Him and some of the other boys. Oh coach he's taller than you he's taller than you one of the other moms even texted me later that night i heard tyler's taller than you and um like for these kids <laughs> that's a milestone that's a milestone is like i'm taller um than coach and there's just something so sweet and endearing about that that i love so well part of me is like how is this eighth grade boy taller than me part of me i just find it so incredibly sweet well i'm sure at some point in the not too distant past you were you were part of a, a Rebecca Lobo growth chart, cut cut out life size cut out of you poster. I, I don't know if I was, but I should have been. But if you were anyway, you're a living cardboard cutout of yes. Uh, yes. of you know, when in a milestone when people surpass your height, you must be taller than this woman to ride the roller coaster, then um, it's a it's a special moment. Yeah. Shall we get to viewer mail? Yeah, let's get to viewer mail. Dear Stephen and Rebecca, greetings from Higashi Kitazawa. Ah, uh, Michael, hello. As always, I hope this finds you well. In light of last week's mirror mishap, the following is for your unfolding amusement. Mirrors, mirrors on the car. Make sure you know where the buttons are. And make sure you know what the buttons do to save you time in the Honda queue. Keep happy and healthy. I remain Michael. I love the variety of things he finds inspiration in. <laughs> that one's terrific. I, it's, it's, uh, it's a wonderful collection wonder, of light verse that he's, he's graced us with. When um, at some point somebody's going to publish Michael's poems, aren't they? Like his ball and chain related poems? Under the under the title Greetings from Higashi Kitazawa? Yes, I think that's that's a definite must. A definite must? Mm-hmm. It reminds me of uh, your final destination in the list of this show's redundancies. Mm. By the way, I kicked off this show by you asked me how I felt and I said I felt swell. Mm-hmm. That was... Uh, you meant swole from all the weights that, you've been and lifting? That's swole. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I said I I meant swell, but I said swell, which was, which was a nod to my dad, who said swell still to this day. So like, how's it going? Oh, it's swell. That's a great word. It's like 40s slang, I guess. He was a kid in the 40s. So. But right, like it's it it's it's a great word. Yeah, it's much better than good. It's like it has a happier bounce to it than many Absolutely. other descriptives. It's it's like well, 
with an S at the beginning. So it's like well plus, mm. right? Yeah, but even more than that, it's well with an extra shot of happy. Yeah. That's, that was uh, the, the song that Bono tried to get Frank Sinatra to record. He wrote a song, he, like the rest of us, loved Sinatra and wanted to write a Sinatra-like drinking song. And um, he wrote one shot of happy, two shots of sad. Frank wouldn't record it, but I think Bono did. But uh, one shot of happy, two shots. This is two shots of swell, one shot of unwell. John writes, oh, Jack, excuse me, writes, this is an all-caps header, so you know it means business, all-caps with two exclamation marks, slow down. Do you have any idea what he's referring to? Repeat that. Slow down is the header. From who? From Jack in Bloomfield. No. Rebecca and Steve, love your podcasts, with one exception. Uh Uh-oh. The reading of the emails by Steve, please slow when speaking speed reading is great speed speaking is not and i see what you're doing right now you're enunciating and speaking a little slower i will have to i I will say to jack first of all thank you for that that email i do i read the viewer mails way too fast i read them like a i'm reading the disclaimer on a pharmaceutical ad and i'm aware of it as i'm doing it yeah Oftentimes we feel like, well, oftentimes, every time we feel like this is going way too long. Who wants to listen to this nonsense? We have to wrap it up, and I and I speed read the viewer mails on the assumption that people are already listening to this at one and a half times speed, at which point my speed reading would become unintelligible, like fast-forwarding an audio tape, right? Right. So. Sorry. Right. Well, will you slow down, you think? Or just today. I, I think I'm doing that right now. No, you now, are. Now that I've read this, this, this. But is this going to be a quick fix, fix, or is this going to be well, a long term? Remind me when I this this is this is goes back to when you have to do public readings, like in a bookstore or something, when you have a book out, and people they often ask you to read a read a segment, which I, I don't enjoy doing. Nobody enjoys doing that, reading their own writing out loud. Mm-hmm. It's a weird thing to do. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I would always speed through that, trying to just get it over with. Okay. Well, you're allowed to still do that. When it comes to the viewer's mail, you just need to read them at a little less brisk pace. Lori writes, Rebecca, when I saw your tweet about Ryan's new baby, Everly Iris, I had to share a picture of my great niece, Everly Fern. It's a good name in the picture. She's with her mom, Jill, and my daughter, Kirsten. You had the discussion a few podcasts. That's that's my mistake there. You had the discussion a few podcasts back about adults doing the fun things we did as children. I also attached a clip of my sister, Carol, about to turn 60, going down Jill's slip and slide. (laughs) That's terrific. Uh, And here indeed is is a picture of the lovely... Everly Fern. Isn't that interesting? Fern and Iris has the middle names. Iris is a flower. Fern, of course, is a is a plant, a flower. It's it's horticultural anyway. Yeah. The two I, of them, the two middle names. And and those are great middle names to go with a phenomenal first name. Ryan wasn't telling anybody what the baby's name was going to be, which I fully 
supported. Much to the frustration of our 10-year-old. Oh, yeah. Our 10-year-old was dying to know what the baby's name was going to be. And I was explaining to her, as someone explained to us, because we did the same thing, you know, they might tell you whether or not they like a name before the baby's born. But once the baby's there, they're going to love the name because the baby's going to look like the name. So when um, when the baby was born, I believe on Saturday, and uh, and Ryan finally shared the name Everly, I was like, oh, that is a spectacular name. I think they're going to call her Evie, which is also terrific. And a uh, huge congratulations to Ryan and Andrea on the birth of their first child. I'm so, so excited for him. It's been a while, and that's on me. But a viewer tweet has come in, and this is from Bobby. And uh, it just says, hey, hashtag queen of fun. It gets easier when you are an empty nester, but don't wait that long. So that's uh, our discussion last week about me being no fun, and I have to also point that. And out. somebody, I think, else, somebody else, I think, tweeted at us about um, tell Rebecca to have more fun. Yeah. Well, we were talking about th- my lack of fun with an earshot of our ten-year-old, and I loved this. Our ten-year-old said, "Mom, you are fun. You just don't want to brag about it." So spoken from the mouth of our child, I am fun. I just don't want to brag about it. We, we almost never talk about what we talked about on the podcast. But after we stopped recording last week's podcast, I said to you, the discussion of you being no fun was all in good fun, right? And you said, you said, no, it's, it's true. I'm not fun, but I'm funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, fair enough. That, that's that's. Is that your way? Of, is that funny in the sense of like funnish, or funny in the sense of that I'm I'm I, barrel I, of laughs? Even if I'm not fun, I think I still can make people laugh. That's true. I'll give you that. She's no fun, but she's funny. That was also a song Bono wrote for Sinatra. Finally, Rebecca, shall we check in with Dr. Gary Siegel? Yes, please. Header is it's getting late on Monday night, Labor Day. So this came in hot off the presses last night on Labor Day. Yes, it did. On a holiday. I mean, birth doesn't take a holiday, right? And neither does his neither does his viewer mail. Dear Rebecca and Steve, this year I had no personal I'm gonna read this slowly. This year I had no personal involvement in any labor on Labor Day today. Ah, of course. You would think Labor Day would be his, right. his busy day. Yeah. Although two girls were born over the weekend with a bit of my help. However, we must move on to other pressing matters at hand. Let's pause for a second. Like to be an OB and just like that's, you throw that out there. You delivered two babies this weekend, but let's move on. Like well, how incredible. We, we, you know, we experienced birth four times with our children. You know, Ryan has just experienced it for the first time, this incredible miracle. Dr. Siegel experiences this multiple times a week, sometimes multiple times a day. Like it's incredible. It, it, it really is. It's incredible. Is. Okay. And and he, he retains his enthusiasm for human existence. <laughs> we think. He does. Yes. No, he, he, he said it before. It doesn't become, I mean, of course, the procedures must become not routine, but yeah. part of your routine, right? Yeah. Though they aren't for the family, and I don't think they, the, the miracle of life hasn't become that for him. Rebecca, of course you are fun, writes Dr. Siegel. It's, well... He's the judge. He's the judge. <laughs> he's he's, <laughs> he's the fun judge? He's the fun judge. FJ. He's the fudge. Okay. Rebecca, of course you are fun. Steve, 
you are also fun. <laughs> oh, thank you, Dr. Siegel. As is the podcast, and I am as serious as a Rebecca Lobo set shot. <laughs> <laughs> Quoting, what's that show? Psych? Psych, yes. Where else can you go for an hour of leisurely discussion about the vicissitudes of life with a variety of inputs about anything and everything and an emphasis on family, all with a PG-13 rating? Thus, in the spirit of the Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah, which began tonight, I wish to the Russian family, the podcast regulars such as Denny, Tom, Dick, and Hari, and the viewers, the Shana Tova, which means, may you be inscribed and sealed in the Book of Life for a good year. If you read a different book, that's okay. Good wishes to all, and let's wave at others when jogging, running, or cycling, and spread goodwill. What a wonderful email. There's more. That's, That's a one, right. wonderful introductory paragraph. Okay. Um, but no, it's a wonderful sentiment. You are correct, writes Dr. Siegel, that children do tend to dampen the fun, although watching them grow up and being parents to them, parenting is a new verb, I believe, is incredible fun. And as we all know, the hardest thing to do. I can attest that grandchildren are indeed fun and that grandparents are fun as well. Shall I continue, Rebecca? Please. Steve, you absolutely didn't step on my lab coat in last week's podcast, but I did enjoy the story regarding your feet and Rebecca's wedding dress. Again, you guys are fun. <laughs> I leave this note with a few random items. One, I, I love that Dr. Siegel has- Enumerated as always. He has, would you like, before List I get form. to the items, can I tell you what the items are? Yes. Numerically, one, two, three, three again, and four. <laughs> Five items brilliantly disguised as four, okay? One, as well-read and literate as you both are, I would suggest that you perhaps use as a reference the owner's manual that likely came with your Honda Odyssey, whose name, when entered into a Google search, is called the Fun Family Minivan. A picture of the Google search result is attached. I suspect that you can easily find the print copy in the minivan and an electronic version online, both complete with a table of contents and index and likely instructions on the power folding mirrors. Did you check the, the owner's manual, Rebecca? I checked not the electronic version online. I checked the physical, the physical, brick, and unless brick. it was on a page other than the one that said side mirrors, it wasn't listed. Did you check W in the index for wing mirrors? Sometimes they're known as wing mirrors. I didn't. Two, as I ate dinner Saturday night at a restaurant, which had the Georgia versus Clemson ABC broadcast with the main ESPN broadcast team on the big screen, who did I see and hear but podcast veteran and friend? Holly Rowe, a treat indeed. So that game was... Uh, Saturday night? In, in, in Charlotte. In Charlotte. In, in Charlotte, yep. So she went from Charlotte to Chicago. She did. Went to sleep and then woke up and put on a blue blazer, a white tank top, and Cobalt black blue blazer, pants. right? Cobalt By blue By the way, blazer. all of these sounds that maybe picked up the microphone, I swear to you, are this, this faux leather gaming chair that I'm oh, sitting right. in and, yeah. and squirming around it. Can you hear that? I can. That's driving me crazy. Three, the Formula One season is heating up with young Dutchman Max Verstappen, no umlaut, barely leading the seven-time and reigning world champion Lewis Hamilton. Max just won the first race held in Holland since 1985 at the classic track known as Zandvoort. Its first corner is named Tarzan, Tarzanbacht in, in Dutch, and the race was brilliant. This weekend, the action returns to Monza, Italy, known worldwide as the Temple of Speed. The track was famously seen in the 1966 John Frankenheimer film Grand Prix, which had spectacular sound and visual effects for the era. It's, it occasionally repeats on um, Turner Classic Movies. 
My son and I have been to Monza for a lesser category race and have walked on the famous now unused banked portion of the track and seen the small homes with farm animals, goats, within the confines of the circuit. Now, his mention of goat and, 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 and um, Dr. Siegel will be uh, certainly well aware that George Russell has been named uh, the Mercedes driver uh, partnering Lewis Hamilton next season. Um, that was big news in the F1 world, Rebecca. But but he mentions the the GOAT. The WNBA is trying to find its GOAT, its greatest of all time. Everybody, everybody now requires uh, – Every sport requires its goat now. It's it's the subject of endless inane arguments. Who was mm-hmm. the greatest of all time, mm-hmm. baseball player, or whatever, and uh, and they've named through some kind of online vote or some panel. Oh of no, media. no, the online vote is coming. So they they had criteria, which I think um, started the list at seventy eight. I think, and then with a panel of, let, let me just read this for you for yeah, a second. Okay. The selection of the league's 25 greatest and most influential players will begin with a list of nearly 75 nominees selected based on factors such as on-court performance and ability, blah, 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 blah. A select panel composed of media members and women's basketball pioneers and advocates will then cast the votes that will determine the, in quotes, the W25. Okay, so a select panel composed of media members and women's basketball pioneers. So... So, when I'm at the game in Chicago, that's when it was unveiled at halftime, I find out that Holly Rowe had a vote, Pam Ward had a vote, Ryan Rucco had a vote. No, I didn't have a vote. I didn't have a vote. They got to narrow the list. You didn't vote for GOAT? I I didn't get to narrow the GOAT list. So now, if any fans, you can go on and you um, you can do it online to get down to the one GOAT. But I, I wasn't worthy of narrowing because I, I think what those media members did, they sent in their top 25, and that's how they got from the 75 down to 25. Maybe they were eliminating former players. players. But I wasn't on the list of 75, I don't think. So who's better than a former player to perhaps be part of this voting panel? I, w- I would have thought that you might have qualified. <laughs> I would have thought that. I might have qualified. But you know what? Actually, it was really really hard when you look at the list it would have been really like it would have been really really hard to get down to that top 25 so um f- and i think they overall did a pretty good job of it and it's a great idea to get people talking about the w and all of that but um i am gonna have to talk to the powers that be at the WNBA and find out why i didn't qualify maybe they maybe they decided who voted at the same time that they were sticking me up on the concourse level to call that one game. But I import- did something to, to upset someone. The important thing is they got to a list of 25 with with uh, pioneering WNBA. Yeah, and it's... Greats a, it's like, like, like Teresa Weatherspoon, for instance. Oh, yeah, Teresa Weatherspoon didn't make the list. She would have been on mine, but she didn't make the top 25 list. Um, neither did Deanna Nolan, who was a great, great player. Um, but again, it was hard to narrow down. The people who made the list are terrific. I... I, I always annoys me slightly when somebody says i can't believe so and so didn't make a list but then they don't tell you who they would have then taken off um but but none none of none of that is necessary of course if there is no list (laughs) right but i'm glad we're we're required by the conventions of modern society to to make a list of the very (laughs) best offending some 
Right. And then and then narrowing that list to one. Right. It'll. I don't know how. If there are a lot of really worthy players, but I I don't know how it will end up being anyone other than Diana Taurasi. I don't know how. Three. This is the second three of Dr. Siegel's okay. uh, enumerated points. Second three. Steve, your reference to the ejector seat, which was first seen in the 1964 James Bond movie Goldfinger, was clever. The ejector seat made a brief humorous reappearance in Skyfall, a 2012 Bond movie in which Daniel Craig, playing James Bond, drove M, played by Dame Judi Dench. Dame Judith Dench, he writes. In the classic Aston Martin DB5. Enjoy the short video below at your leisure. I will, Dr. Siegel. Lastly, four, lastly, I'm happy to report that the New Orleans branch of the family is well, living in land with the other grandparents, and that their New Orleans home has had minimal water damage, and that it even has electricity. Mm, good. They were fortunate, and my oldest granddaughter begins preschool on Tuesday for a week or two at the same preschool that her mother and three maternal aunts attended over 30 years ago. Our children attended the same preschool that I went to. Do you detect any, any... Uh, shade in the phrase other grandparents when he says they're staying with the other grandparents. There's not, not, he didn't capitalize the O and the G. No, I, no shade at all. Uh, the OGs. He, he, I would be shocked if, if, if Dr. Siegel and Mrs. Dr. Siegel didn't have a terrific relationship. Cordial relationship with, yeah. with the other grandparents. What yeah. is what is the uh, the protocol, the, the etiquette of, of being the other grandparents? Obviously, to the other grandparents, you're the other grandparents. Are you, are you supposed to get along famously? Are you supposed to have little or nothing to do with, with each other? I don't know. I think it all depends on where you live. But I, I also think that the grandparents, the maternal grandparents, are kind of the ones who um, are expected maybe to be a little bit more involved with the grandkids because they're the maternal versus the paternal. You mean, you don't mean the maternal grandparents, the, the grandmother and the grandfather on the mother's side. You mean the two grandmas. <laughs> because let's face it, the two grandpas, they're not they're changing They're just along diapers. for the ride. They're, they're, Actually, I meant the other way, but, but you're probably right. I mean, your dad famously, I mean, he was not a, a diaper changer. He was not a diaper changer when we were kids. Actually, right. I don't know if he ever, did he ever change diapers of our kids? Probably no, not. No, because he never changed diapers when you guys were kids, I That's think he's, correct. I think he, he. But when we were kids, there were they were actual diapers. They weren't pampers. They were. But that's like not cloth why diapers. That's not why it was. It was just not how it was it's done. It's just not how it was done. That is true. Well, on that note. On that note. Tom, Dick, Harry, play us out. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet live in cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and vigorous, what we give for a little rest. Stay by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. 
It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.